The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Today's daf is being studied Le'edu Nishmat Marat Zikanati Yafa Batsara Vila Nishmat Avraham Ben Esther Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Amen V'Rufuat Shilema Hayim Aharon Ben Le'a Elna Refaralo Rufuat Nefesh Rufuat Guf Urfu Atok Kerbalabo Vecheni Hirason V'Nomar Amen We begin today's daf on Yudtet Amud Bet and we are starting five lines from the bottom Tarul Abbanan we have a Braita Matzah Shovar they uh, found uh, a receipt that means uh, when a lady receives her ketubah, so she writes a receipt uh, and gives it to the husband uh, as proof that the husband has that he paid the ketubah. So that is called a shovah. It's a receipt uh, that the ketubah was indeed paid. Uh, so the deen is like this. In the case where the lady is moda, she says, yes, he paid me the ketubah, and uh, the shovar is his, no problem. So then you give it back to the husband. But if she says, no, I didn't get paid yet. So then you cannot give it back to either of them. Because you're not sure, you're misupak. Does it belong to the husband? Does it belong to her? So therefore you don't give it back to either of them. So the Gemara now asks a question. saying, what? Then in the case where the lady's moda, yes, he paid me the ketubah, so you give it back to the husband. How could that be? We should suspect the following situation. Which means... Maybe she wrote the Shovar with Kavanah to give it to the husband Nisan, in the month of Nisan. But he, she didn't give the receipt until Tishri. Because the husband didn't pay the Ketubah till Tishri. That's a possibility. She wrote the Shovar in Nisan and she held on to it until she's going to get paid. She finally got paid in Tishri, so she gives the husband a Shovar. But the Shovar is dated Nisan. The Azla, she's going to go in the interim. Zavanta lichtuba betuva tanaa minisan ad tishri. Now, Halakha says that a lady's ketuba is a star. She's owed money. Now, she is able to sell the ketuba. She can sell the option of the ketuba to somebody. For example, somebody would be willing to pay uh, a certain uh, price was a discounted price, uh, to give the lady money up front, and now that person will be the owner of the ketubah in the event, again, in the event that the husband dies uh, before her, or let's say there's a divorce, so there's a payout on the ketubah, so that guy bought the option that he can collect the payout. So what's going to happen? Well, she didn't get the ketubah payment yet, right? It's Nisan. She wrote the shovar. Uh, she's anticipating to get paid the ketubah, but she didn't, she didn't get it yet. So in the interim, she sold the rights to the ketubah to somebody else. Now what's going to happen? Now what happens? Uh, she eventually gives this guy, the husband, the shovar in Tishri. But now he's going to come along and he has a, he has a, a, a star that says from 
Nisan was already paid already. Which means, now the person that bought the option is going to lose out. Because the person that bought the option, he's going to want to get uh, take the money, and the uh, husband will say, what do you mean? It was paid already. It's too late. I paid the ketubah. Therefore, you cannot take any of my fields, for example, that were earmarked to pay for the ketubah. The ketubah was paid. So therefore, he's going to cause a loss. She's is asking a question. Why don't you suspect for this? You found the shovah. The lady says, yeah, it's the husband's. No question. He paid me the ketubah. But if the if it's dated Nisan, you have to be concerned that he didn't give it till Tishri. And in the interim, she rightfully went and sold the rights to the Ketubah. Now somebody else is expecting to get paid. Because uh, the Ketubah goes to that guy. And now what happens, this husband's going to pull out a Shovar. Oh, from Nisan already I took care of it. Therefore, she had no right to sell it to you. Because I already was paid up and therefore he's going to lose out. So therefore... Uh, we should suspect it as why don't we suspect it a scenario? So Rava says over here, Hidush. Shma'mina, from the fact that we see we don't suspect this uh, trickery, Shma'mina, Ita Lidishmuel, that uh, we're following the opinion of Shmuel, the Amar Shmuel, Hamocher Shtarhov Lahavero. A person, let's say, sells shtarhov. Same thing. He sold the option to collect. Right? The malveh uh, uh, is owed money. The malveh goes and sells the shtarhov to somebody else. Amocher shtarhov lachavero vechazar umechalo. And then what happens? The malveh forgives the loveh from paying. Mahul. So the forgiving is hal. The afilu yoresh mochel. And even the yoresh of the malveh is able to be mochel, the loan. Listen to a story over here. Guy has a star in his pocket. Okay, star is worth money. He's going to get paid a thousand dollars. So he goes to somebody, listen, I'll sell you the option over here. You know, instead of me getting uh, uh, paid, you'll get paid. So the oven goes and sells the option of the shtar to Shimon. Of course, he doesn't pay $1,000. He gives him uh, 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 less money. Okay, now the option is already given to Shimon. After he sells it, Reuven goes to the love, to the guy that he lent money, I forgive you the loan. Now, once he forgives him the loan, finished, now Shimon is out. And Shimon holds that Reuven is able to be mochel to the love. This is something he's able to do. Now, before we apply this rule to our case, we need to understand the reason why. Why that is so. How could a malveh, if he sells the option, be mochel alone? So, uh, the explanation they say is like this. The loveh is able to tell the person that bought the option, en ata ba'al devarim sheli, which means... I'm not obligated uh, to you anything. I don't know who you are. My connection is to the guy that gave me the loan, the malveh, and he forgave me. <laughs> so when Shimon comes to the Levin and says, hey, pay me, so I don't know who you are. All I know is Shimon, uh, uh, all I know is Reuven uh, was mochel me, and they'll see you later. That's what I'm dealing with. So therefore, 
the logic is because he, he can say you're not the one that I'm dealing with oh so similarly over here uh, we have a uh, situation that uh, the lady is owed a ketubah so she's like the malveh she's owed money so what happened she goes along and she sells the option to somebody else let's say she really sold the option but she has the right to forgive the husband which means she can forgive the husband from the whole ketubah payment and therefore the guy that she sold the option to is out so therefore the pshat and the gemara is like this in this case over here, the ladies believe to say that she gave the uh, she gave the shovar to the husband in Nisan, as it's stated on the shovar, and we're not going to suspect that maybe it was written in Nisan and given in Tishri, and therefore. We're concerned that she might have sold it in the interim, and now you have a situation where the husband's going to uh, uh, hurt the uh, person that bought it, because he said, listen, it was paid up already from Nisan. We believe the lady. Why do you believe the lady to say that that didn't happen? Because if she wanted to, she could have been mochel. She could have said, I, 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 I'm mochel the husband, and therefore the guys that bought it would be out totally. So Migu, that she could have been mochel, the whole ketuvah, and the Likuchot would not be able to say anything, so therefore she's emanated to say that when I gave over the shtar, it was Nisan, as stated in the Shavad itself. So we must be going like Shemuel. And that explains the logic that she has a Migu. Again, the Migu would be, listen, if she wanted to, uh, to ruin the Likuchot, she could have just said, I'm mochel the ketuvah. And she has the right to be mochalikit after she sells the option. So therefore she's a minute to say that I gave the shovar over, I was paid in Nisan, and I gave the shovar over, therefore uh, there is no uh, suspicion. Amar Abayah says, no, a different reason. Even if you say you're not working with Shemuel's rule, they can be mochel, that the malveh can be mochel after he sells it. What's the case that the Brayta is talking about? We're talking about a case where the lady comes to Bet Din and she has the Ketubah in her hand. So therefore, she has the Ketubah in her hand. It's obvious she didn't sell it. Because normally, if she would sell the Ketubah, the buyer of the Ketubah holds on to the document so he can get paid. So therefore, in this case over here, we don't have to suspect that maybe she sold the option of the ketuvan and the payment wasn't done until Tishri, and therefore the husband is going to take out the uh, is going to is going to ruin the person that bought it. No, really, we know there was no sale over it. We don't have to suspect to it because we're talking about where she's holding on to the ketuvan. If that's what you tell me, because you tell me because she's holding on to the ketuvan, you have to suspect that maybe he wrote her two ketubot. Yes, yeah, so she's holding on to one of the ketubot. But maybe he wrote two ketubot. And on the other ketubah, she sold it. And therefore, you have the same suspicion that we said above. And that's why you have to say we're going like Shemuel, that since she could be mochel, so therefore she's made it to say that she got paid in Nisan, therefore there's no problem. Vabaye, Amar. Hada, 
the shteket tubot lo chayshina. First of all, it's far fetched. You don't have to suspect that there is two ketubot in over here. Ve'od and anyway, shovar bezmanot tarif. New answer, Abayya says. We have a rule. No matter when the shovar is dated, that's already when we consider it uh, paid up. In the sense that even if, let's say, the husband paid the ketubah in Tishrit, but still, once he gets the shovar, and the shovar is dated Nisan, retroactively, all the zikhuyot belong to the husband from Nisan. Abayel Ta'ameh, Abayel follows his logic, that means when the Aidim signed the receipt in Nisan, already the Aidim are for the husband all rights from Nisan when he finally gets it. So therefore, according to Abaye, you have no problem in this case, because when the lady, what are you worried about? That the lady might have sold it between Nisan and Tishri, she has no rights to sell it. The sale is not a sale, and therefore the husband's rights are going to be protected. Because from the time that the Shuvar is written, the Edim Azokhev for the husband, uh, 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 at that point, uh, uh, all, all the rights that he gets, as if it was paid, therefore the lady has no rights to sell the uh, Ketubah payment, it's like the husband paid it from Nisan. And therefore, even though he doesn't get the Shtat of the Shri, but his rights uh, as paid are from Nisan, from the time that the Edim signed on it, Therefore, uh, even if she did sell it in the interim, she has no right. And therefore, we're not worried that he might take something out of the people that bought the ketubah illegally. Because she had no right to sell it in the first place. So basically, we have a fantastic makhlukah over here between Abayi and Rabah, how to learn this uh, case over here. So he found the shovar. That's no question. Lady said, yeah, give it to the husband. Oh, I have to be worried. Give it to the husband. But maybe it was dated Nisan and he didn't get pay, she didn't get paid till Tishri. And therefore I gotta be concerned now that she sold it in the interim. And now the guy's gonna to want to get paid from the fields that the husband has. And the husband's gonna say, what are you talking about? I paid it already from Nisan. And he's gonna hurt the Likuchot that bought it, rightfully so. So Rabbah says, that's not a concern because we're going like Shemuel. Because if she wanted to, she could have been Mohel, the husband. And therefore the Likuchot would have no uh, uh, claim at all. Therefore, she's believed to say that she gave it over in Nisan, and uh, 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 that's what she got paid. Therefore, we're not worried about this trickery. Whereas, according to Abaye, Abaye says one of two things. Either we're talking about a case where we know that the uh, lady did not sell the ketubah, because she's holding the ketubah in her hand, so you don't have to suspect that. Or even we could say a stronger answer, that when you have a shovar, and it's written in Nisan, and the Hadim sign it, so the husband's rights begin from the time of the date of Nisan. So even though it wasn't paid till Tishri, and he didn't get the start till Tishri, but retroactively his rights uh, as paid go to Nisan, because the Edim are Mezakeh the Ketubah, her payment already, and therefore uh, she had no right to sell it anyway. So even if you're going to suspect that, there's nothing to suspect. The husband is in the right over here, and therefore there is no reason to be concerned. Comes the next Mishnah. We're going to discuss now different documents that were found uh, in the uh, Shuta Rabim, let's say. And we're going to give it back to the, uh, to the person that wrote it. Which means in this case over here, we're going to see in these cases, uh, the Shtarot, you're not concerned about any trickery 
or any problems, maybe they were paid out. Uh, before, in the other Mishnayot, all the cases of the Mishnayot that were dropped, there was always a concern. Uh, don't give it back to the person that wrote it, don't give it to the person that was written for, because you have different suspicions. Here, these are Shtarot that they really no suspicions on. For example, Matzah Igerotshun. That's a star that Betin writes to the Malveh that they went and they evaluated the assets of the Loveh so he can get paid. Shum is an evaluation. It's an evaluation document that they wrote for the Malveh. The Gerot Mazon. Let's say you have a husband that accepts upon himself to support his wife's daughter. Let's say she was previously married. So they write a star, it's called the Gerot Mazon, that he accepts upon himself to support his uh, daughter, uh, his wife's daughter. Shtar Halitza. After a lady uh, has the process of Halitza, so the deen is, they write for her a shtar to say, Bittin writes, we testify that this lady went through the process of Halitza. The reason why they do that is, so she can have a proof uh, that she can get married. Because until she makes Halitza, she's not going to be able to get married. Umi'unin. Umi'unin is a shtar that Bittin writes for a ketana. Then let's say she was an orphan. So either her mother married her off or her brothers. That's Kiddushin Drabbanan. And then uh, at a certain age, uh, she is able to refuse the marriage. Which means she's able to say that uh, she doesn't want to stay married over here. And uh, that's called a Mi'un. It's like a divorce. Uh, she's able to really retroactively uh, break the marriage. But you have to have that start. That says there was a mi'un, a very refusal, and therefore she's able to get remarried. Vishtar birurin. We don't know yet what shtar birurin is. We'll wait for the Gemara to explain that. Vechol ma'aseh bedin. Ma'aseh bedin is any shtar that's written in bedin to help the malveh get paid from the loveh. For example, as we learned earlier, shtar halta'a. What is uh, shtar halta'a? Shtar halta'a is a shtar that we say, uh, that the Betin writes and says uh, that this certain field of the Loveh uh, that he gave to the Malveh, it was given to him in lieu of payment of a loan. So that's a shtar affirming that the payment of a certain field was for the loan. That's called halta'a or nadrachta. Adrachta is a shtar that gives the Malveh permission to explore, to go into the Lovez assets to see what he has valuable in order to pay the to pay the debt. In any event, in all these cases it says, <coughs> In all these cases you give it back to the one that it was written for. Because in all these cases over here, we do not have to suspect that maybe these shtarot were written, but nothing was ever executed. Because all these shtarot over here, Betin writes, and Betin only writes these shtarot after an event happened. So therefore, for example, take uh, the shtar halitza. I don't have to suspect that maybe they wrote the shtar halitza, but halitza never took place. So if I give it back to the lady, it's going to be problematic. She still uh, she didn't make a halitza, she won't be able to get married. No. Once you find these documents, that means the event happened. Halitza took place. And then Betin writes a document to testify on the facts. So therefore, you can give it back to the lady. There's no problem. Or for that matter, a mi'un. Or for that matter, a girot mazon. 
these uh, events are all testifying on things that happened, so that we do not have to worry there was any trickery over here or any any problem. So therefore, in all these cases, it was given back to the person that the star was written for. Now the Yamana discusses, let's say you found shtarot, other shtarot, sometimes other shtarot also, there's a siman that you know who it fell from. For example, matzah, you found any shtar, bahafitza. Yamana is going to explain what a hafitza is, it's a type of keli. Or bidluskema, it's also a type of keli. And all of a sudden a guy comes along and says, oh you should know, uh, my shtarot, they were in this type of vessel. That's already a good siman, uh, and therefore you can give it back to him. Because he gives a siman like that. Or he comes along and says, my shtarot were rolled up, one in another. Or aguda shel shtarot, we'll see what that means in the Gemara, a bundle of shtarot. You give it back to the guy that gives the siman. What is a bundle of shtarot? where a person has to return it, if the guy gives a siman, three shtarot that are tied to each other. A bunch of one of them says another case. Let's say you have a guy, he borrowed money from three different people. The love borrowed money from Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. And what? You found all these shtarot together. Now, who else could this belong to? So the Gemara says, Mishnah says, Yazir lelove. You return it to the love because for sure it fell from him. Uh, we have to say that after he paid the debts, Uven gave the love back to Shtar. Shimon gave him back to Shtar. Levi gave him back to Shtar. So therefore, otherwise, what are they all doing together? Who could they have fallen from? What are the odds? Three different Malvez drop the star in the same place? No. If you see all of them together, it must be the Lover. These are his documents, and they're paid in full documents. If we give it back to the Lover, and he was just holding on to them, and I guess he dropped them. But let's say the opposite case. You have three people that are borrowing money, or borrowed money from one guy. So therefore, and you found that star. So then, so then you have to assume that it fell from the Malveh. Because otherwise, uh, uh, the three uh, people that borrowed, what are those three shtarot doing all together? And that must be it fell from the Malveh, and therefore they were not paid. You have a guy, he's going through his papers, and all of a sudden he finds a, uh, a shtar, uh, amongst his papers, as I said, his documents, he doesn't know the nature of this shtar over here. He doesn't know if this is a shtar that somebody owes him money, which means maybe he borrowed money with the shtar, he lent out money, and he's owed money, or maybe somebody just gave him a shtar, but he never actually lent money. And he, the guy said, hold on to the shtar, if I need money, you'll lend me money based on the shtar. So he doesn't really know if he's owed money or not. He just sees the star, he doesn't remember it. So you have to leave that document uh, in abeyance until Eliyahu Navi comes and he will satisfy the Safik. He will solve the Safik. Now, if let's say a person finds a star amongst his documents, 
and he finds with the document a simpon. Now, uh, let's explain the word simpon. Simpon is something that has the ability to uh, break the power of the item that we're talking about. For example, uh, if a lady gets married, and uh, all of a sudden after the marriage it's found out that she has a blemish, uh, so that would be called a simpon, because the blemish can break the status of the Kiddushin, and we could say that the guy would have never gotten married if he knew that he had this uh, blemish. So that's a simpon. It breaks the uh, uh, strength of whatever you're dealing with. So when you're dealing with shtarot, a simpon of the shtar is a receipt, or a you know a paid-in-full uh, uh, sign. That breaks the value of the shtar. The malveh is holding a shtar, and the malveh holds a shtar, that's powerful. He's able to get paid with such a shtar. But when you have a simpon, meaning when you have a receipt attached to it, so that means it was paid. So therefore it says, Im yesh which means he has to fulfill whatever the simpon is. And if we cannot get paid with such a shtar, because uh, you have the receipt uh, that's attached to it, and if we have to assume that it is paid. Now, even though uh, this receipt really should have been in the hands of the Loveh, the Loveh holds the receipt so he can prove that he paid. Um, so then I have to say that maybe uh, the Malveh uh, told the Loveh, yeah, I'll write your receipt, come back tomorrow. In the interim, they forgot about it, so the receipt ended up by the Malveh. Nonetheless, the deen is that once the Malveh finds a simpon, let's say a receipt, the shtar was paid, even though it's in his possession, you have to follow what the simpon said, and if we, the shtar is uncollectible, we consider it paid. One of the cases in the Mishnah that we talked about was a shtar birrurin. So the Gemara asks, my shtare birrurin? What is the shtare birrurin? The Gemara says, hachat targemu shtare ta'anata. Which means, when two claimants, or litigants, come into Bedin, so the Sofrim, they write down on a shtar each person's claims. Uh, you're claiming A, B, C, D, you're claiming uh, this uh, other claims as well. Uh, they write it down uh, uh, on the shtar. Now, which means as long as they don't write it down, each one of the claimants can change their uh, claims. But once they write it down already, so that's already considered... You know, acceptable in the Beddin. So therefore, that's a Shtar Virunin. So again, when you find the claims, you find, you give it back to whoever it was referring to. Because Beddin again will only write it after the, after it happened. The rule of Zabla. Zabla, Which means, when a person has a case in court, so you have two people. So the Deen is, that each one is able to pick one of the judges. So the Malveh picks a judge, the Loveh picks a judge, and then those two judges, they pick a third judge. So the uh, the law is that they write down the name of the appointee, which is one guy says, I'm choosing uh, Judge Reuven. They write it down. Until they write it down, he can change his mind. So therefore, when you find the Shtar Birurin, that's the selection star where they each one picked their star, their their judge. So when you give it back to the 
to the person that depicted it. Which you assume that if Betin wrote it, that means it already happened, and if you don't have to suspect for any uh, any trickery. Now the Gemara is going to tell a story that we learned already on the uh, previous Dapim. There was a certain get. And they found it in the Bedin uh, uh, of Ravuna. The get was Mekuyam, meaning it was already Bedin verified it, that it's say the witnesses are Kashir. The place that was written on the get was a place called Shivire. Mata's a place. Dalrechis Narat is by the river Rechis. So what happened? And uh, has, the, of course, the name of the, the husband and uh, the wife. And what happened? Now, this was lost. Now, the Shaliyah comes along. The Shaliyah that was supposed to deliver the get, he says, Oh, by the way, I lost my get over here. And this is the names. And this is where it was written. And therefore, he wants, his, uh, he wants to get the get back. He wants to give the get to, 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 to the divorce, to, to fulfill the Shaliyah, to give it to the lady. Amaravuna, he says, nothing doing. You have to be concerned that what? That even though in the Shavire that the get was written, uh, the guy's claiming that uh, it came from there, we have to suspect that there's another city, uh, Shavire. And maybe in the other city of Shavire, there's two people that have the same names like the people in this get over here. Which is even though in uh, the Shevire that they know, there's a city called Shevire that everybody knew, there was only one Yosef Ben Shimon. For example, let's say the guy's name in the get is Yosef Ben Shimon. Everybody knows that Shevire there's only one Yosef Ben Shimon, so what, what, what could be the problem? Avonah says, yeah, but maybe there's another Shevire in the world that we don't know about. And maybe in that place where it is uh, Yosef Ben Shimon, and therefore this get is not the get of this person, and therefore we can't give it back. Amal Rav Hazdal Rabbah, Puk Ayin, you better go me'ayin uh, on this subject. Go uh, uh, study this uh, subject, this question. urta because in the evening, la ravuna minach. Ravuna is going to ask you what's the din. So he went out and he found the following. Detan kol Anything that's already established in bedin yazir. You give it back. So which means, we learned in our Mishnah that when it comes to uh, documents that are established in Bedin, you give it back. So the get was already Mikuyam Bedin. So what's the problem? Give it back. Especially that uh, Rashi says, uh, we didn't know, we don't, have to, we don't have to suspect that there's another Shevire. We know the city Shevire. And we know in that city Shevire there's no Yosef and Shimon besides one. So if you don't have to suspect for anything, just give it back to the Shaliyah and let him give the uh, again. You don't have to go so far and say maybe there's another city that has a person with the same name. Amar le Rav Amram le Rabah. So Rav Amram tells Rabah, Echi pashit mor isuram imamuna. So what are you talking? You're bringing a ayah from Al Mishnah that says, Ma'aseh betin, you give back to the rightful owner of it. Al Mishnah is talking about monetary cases. Uh, uh, Shtar of Shum, that's an evaluation document. And other documents of, of, uh, of Mamon. And we have a rule that you cannot learn from 
mamon, you cannot learn from there a case of isur. What about a get? Get is isur. Just because we said in the Mishnah that maaseh bedin, you give back. That was talking about monetary. Maybe we're more lenient. But who says by an isur, especially over here, you're dealing with a lady, isur ish. Who says you give it back to the Shadiyah? Amaleh. So Rabat tells Rav Hazda, tells Rav Amram, Tardat, tells him, you shoteh, you fool. Shtarech halitza umeunim tenan. What are you talking? Amishnah is also talking about Isud cases. You're giving a document of a halitza document back to a lady. That's going to allow her to get married. So what are you talking? My, 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 my comparison from the Mishnah is very good. Just like in the Mishnah, you give a shtar halitza document back to the, the lady to allow her to get married, and a shtar mi'un document to the lady, so to you, when you have over here no suspicion, and it was established in Britain that the get is kasher, so you give it back to the, to, to, to the shaliyah to give to the lady. So what are you talking about? You're asking me a question like this. In any event, after that episode happened between Laban and Amram, it says, Paka arza, the deber rav, the beam, that the Bet Midrash was being suspended by, or being uh, held by, it uh, it broke. The beam of the Bet Midrash broke. It's like the Bet Midrash caved in. Mor Amar. So one of the rabbis said, Mishum letai didi paka. Because of my mazal. Uh, it's because of my mazal that this happened. Because... Uh, you uh, uh, got upset, uh, Rabbi. Rabbi Amram said, "This is because you 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 you, you called me a, a tarva. Uh, my mazal caused it over here because uh, you uh, the way you uh, referred to me over here that you called me a tarva when I asked the question." And Rabbi said, "No, it's because of my mazal that it broke because uh, you embarrassed me in the Bet uh, Midrash." Uh, by asking me this uh, question. When I said the deen, you said, ah, oh, what do you mean? It's Mishnah against you. So therefore, uh, basically, each rabbi was blaming it on his own mazal. Uh, but really what they were saying is that the behavior of the rabbanim actually caused the Bet Midrash to cave in, either because he called him a shoteh, and then he came along back, and, uh, you know, asked him a, a, a question or embarrassed him, let's say, with such a question. So therefore, either way, uh, it was clear to both of them that the reason why the place got destroyed or the beam broke was because the derech of the limud was not acceptable to Kadosh Baruch Hu. They should have been a little more uh, patient uh, uh, with each other. This one asked the question, what are you talking about? The other one said, you're a shoteh. So therefore, each one said, Rav Amram said, Mishum My mazal broke it, because you mistreated me. And the other rabbi said, Rav said, no, my mazal caused it to broke, because you embarrassed me, you asked a question to me like that in the Beit HaMidrash. Okay, in any event, over there, that Tamidah have to be careful, even when they're learning, not to lose their respect for one another. Matzah b'hafitzah o bedluskema. You found a star in a hafitzah or in a duskema, we give it back to the rightful owner. My hafitzah, Amar Abba Ruhana, Hemet Ketana. Okay, it's a small uh, jug made out of leather that they put uh, wine in it. My duskema, what's a duskema? Amar Abba Shemuel, Telika de Sabe. That's like a little uh, kufsa 
a box of the for the for the elders that they put all their uh, wares, their small little things in there, so they don't uh, have to find it. They, the old people they store their stuff in a dusk in a, a, a duskema, and uh, that's a sign. So therefore, if they put a star uh, in there, that's already a sign. The guy says he was in a duskema, you give it back to him. Tachrich shel starot. So we said, if you have, let's say, a bundle of starot that are rolled up together, or a gudash starot, or a bundle of starot, so you give it back to the person that gives the siman. How much is a, a, a bundle of starot? Three starot that are rolled uh, uh, one in another. So the guy gives the siman. And what is considered an Three that they, they tie them uh, uh, to each other. Like there's a certain type of uh, knot. And the guy gives a siman that they were knotted together. We can learn from here that the way a person knots something, that's already considered a siman. Because it said, that agudav shtarot is kishurim zebaze. So therefore, you're giving a siman on the knot. So the Gemara says, Hatani Gemara says, no. Rav said that an agudav shtarot has nothing to do with the knots. Shilosha kiruchim zebaze. It's referring to again that you have three shtarot that are rolled up. Uh, one and another, and the fact that they rolled up one and another, that's uh, the uh, that's not the derech. Usually, you roll each star individually. The fact that they rolled three starot uh, one and another, that's already a siman, and therefore that's what we explained the brayta when it said aguda. It doesn't mean that they were um, tied. The knot is not the siman. Knotting is not a siman. Unless the fact that they were rolled up one and another. The gemara says ihache haynu tachrich. So what are you talking about? You tell me. Tachrich, you explained to me, was three shtarot rolled up one in another. Now, how could you tell me aguda is also three shtarot rolled up? It's the same case. Yibara says, Tachrich, kol had vechad berosha dechavre. Aguda, dermu ahadadeh, uchruchot. Which means, when it comes to a tachrich, tachrich is three shtarot, that each one is rolled up from top to bottom, which means... The way they roll up a shtar is they roll it up from the bottom to the top. Why do they roll it up from the bottom to the top? They roll it. In the, take a shtar lengthwise. You roll it up from the bottom all the way to the top. Why? Because when they want to read it, they just roll it out a little at a time and they're able to read, you know, the, the first line. They roll it a little more. And they get to read a little more. They want to uh, roll it out in one shot. So therefore they roll it from the bottom to the top. So when we talk about a takhrikh, so you put three shtarot like that. So you put three shtarot uh, uh, over each other, from the bottom to the end. Uh, that's a, that's called a tachrich. And what's a aguda? Aguda is dermu ahadade uchruchot. That you put one star on top of the other. Uh, the orech of this star connected the orech. The length of this star connected the orech of this star, and then you roll them all three uh, together. So again, let's get the uh, the difference between a tachrich and a aguda. So explain over here is like this. The derech was to roll shtarot lengthwise. From the bottom of the shtar to the beginning of the shtar. So as a guy that wants to read the shtar, he wouldn't have to open it in t- totally. He could open up a little 
and read, and then he's able to fold up the little that he opened up and continue reading uh, uh, the rest. So a person, let's say, uh, uh, folds it in that manner, now he's coming to put another shtar, so he's korech al rosho shel ashtar akodim. Also, the second shtar also, when he puts uh, over it, he puts it from the, he rolls it from the bottom to the top. And he puts the, the third shtar uh, uh, over that one uh, uh, as well. That's a techlich. And what's, a, uh, what's an aguda? Dirmu ahadade ukhruchot. He just put them uh, on top of each other, not in any uh, specific uh, uh, order, just rolled them up uh, uh, together. That's also considered a siman. So the, the, the fact that they were bundled together, that's the point. The point is this, the, the knot is not a siman, it's the actual fact that they were uh, bunched together, because it's not the derech to bunch uh, or, or uh, uh, fold, or uh, wrap, or whatever you're going to say, to, 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 to bunch shtarot uh, together, uh, what do you do? You usually put each one separately. So the fact that this is an atakrich, or this is an aguda, that already is a siman. The way we're understanding is, the first case is, in order that the guy can read all three documents from top to bottom in order, uh, so therefore what they would do is, he would roll the shtar from bottom to top, and then he would place... A, uh, uh, over that, another shtar also rolled from bottom to top, and then put a shtar over that as well, and then he starts unraveling one at a time, and when he finishes the first shtar, he opens the second shtar, and so on, he reads them in order, that that's a siman. The second shtar is, like the Gemara's Medu you put one on top of the other, one shtar on another shtar, another, you just folded them all three up together, and therefore it is indeed a siman. Now the Gemara says, when you find, let's say, an uh, uh, Aveda, so you have to announce, I found something, and the guy comes along and says, oh yeah, this was my item, and he says, okay, give me a siman. So the Gebarah says, when a guy finds, let's say, a bundle of shtarot, what does he uh, announce in order that the guy can come forward and, uh, and say uh, a siman? So it says, Now, minyan, if you're going to tell me that what? He announces uh, uh, the, I found three uh, shtarot. So then, and then he gives a siman. So, oh yeah, uh, and they were rolled up. So then why does the Mishnah say three shtarot? Which means, if the siman is the fact that they were rolled up, so then let the guy say, hey, I found two shtarot. The guy will come along and say, Oh yeah, the siman is that they were uh, rolled up. Why did the Mishnah specifically give a case of Shoshashtarot? Ela kedamar Avina. Avina says, like we're going to see later on in the Tib'amachriz. He just says, I found coins. Later on we'll discuss coins. He doesn't say how many coins he found. Here also, he comes along and says, I found Shtarot. Now the guy has to come along and say, oh, it was three, and they were rolled up. But if a guy is going to come along and say they were two, two's not a, two, two's not a good siman. Because from the fact that the guy said, I found shtarot, shtarot automatically is two. So therefore it's like he gave it away. But by saying three, 
Oh, then already he's giving a proper siman. So that's why the Mishnah to say that the guy found at least three shtarot. Because if he only found two shtarot, the minyan is not a siman. Because the guy saying, listen, I found shtarot. The guy comes along and says, uh, yeah, uh, uh, there, there were two of them, right? Baruch, I told you shtarot. How many things? But when the guy comes along and says, three, ah, so three, that already would be, so that's why the Mishnah is giving a case of three, because the guy announced in plurality, I found shtarot, so to make it a good siman, the guy's got to say something that's not obvious, that was not given in the announcement. And therefore, the case of the Mishnah is giving Now, the first case he gave was, the guy finds the three shtarot. And, um, it was one guy that borrowed money from three different people. Right? You have uh, Reuven. Reuven is uh, borrowing money. He borrowed from Shimon, Devi, and Yehuda. You found uh, the Ishtarot down the street. Who are you going to give it to? Of course you're going to give it to the Loveh. Because uh, they're, they're, they're all his. It must have been that uh, they got paid. And uh, therefore he was holding all the Ishtarot. You know, that uh, he paid them already back. And they came from him. You give it to the common guy. The common guy is the Lovay in this case. The Isla Kadadak, the Malvin, because if you're going to tell me it's the Malvez, what are they doing together? Why is Shimon Levin Yudas Shtarot together? What do they have to do with each other? So the guy goes, what do you mean? Dilma Lekiyuminu Azle. Maybe Shimon Levin Yudas gave their, their documents to the Shaliyah to go bring it to Betin in order to, uh, to verify them. In order to, because he wants to make a kiyum. In order to make sure to, 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 to validate to, to, to the shtarot. That's why. So it fell from the Shaliyah. Therefore, maybe they belong to the Malvez. The Gemara says, the Mekayme. Nah, we're talking about over here shtarot that already were Mikuyam. So therefore, you cannot explain this to me when it fell from the uh, Shaliyah. The Gemara says, Dilma Midad de Safra Wait, which means that maybe it fell from the Sofer, which means maybe you're right, we're talking about documents that were uh, Mikuyam already. And what? Maybe uh, the Sofer itself, after he wrote the Kiyum, after he validated it, maybe he dropped all three. A person does not leave his Shtar Mikuyam by the hands of a Sofer. He usually picks it up. And therefore we don't have to suspect that fell from the Sofer. Ella must fell from the Loven. Now we go to the other case. You have three guys that borrowed money from one guy. Reuven, Shimon, and Nevi. They all borrowed money from uh, Yehuda. Yehuda is the Malve. So now you find these three Shtarot. Who do you give it to? The common guy. Who's the common guy in this case? Yehuda is the Malve. So you give it back to the Malve. The Isal Kadatak de Lovininu. Again, because if you tell me this belongs to the Love, my Ba'e Gabiada, what are three documents of three different Lovim doing together? Gabriel says, Dilma le Mechtevinu Azle, which means maybe the Lovin went to the Sofer in order to uh, uh, write the Shtarot, and it fell from the Sofer. Which means both of them went to the Sofer, there was a line at the Sofer, do me a favor, write me a Shtar, I want to borrow money, and then the Sofer dropped all three. So therefore, could be, don't give it back to the Malveh, maybe you should give it back to the Loveh. So, it's three different handwritings. And therefore, you can't say it fell from one Sofer, because each document is written in a different handwriting. So the Gebra says, Same question. Maybe the Shariah was taking the Shtarot from the Loveh to the Betin, in order to verify it, and therefore it fell from the Shaliyah that was coming to make a Kiyum. Gemara gives a very simple answer to that. Malve mekayem shtare, lo mekayem shtare. Exactly. Who makes a Kiyum on a star? 
The guy that wants to get paid, the malveh, because he cannot get paid unless the shtat is mekuyam, unless it's verified that it's a legal shtat. The loveh doesn't want to make the shtat mekuyam. He'd rather make the shtat not mekuyam. He don't want to make it mekuyam. He'd rather claim that it was a forge. Who does the... The, the person that's going to validate the shtat is the guy that needs the shtat to get paid. So therefore, you're not going to say that maybe these three lovim gave the shtarot to a shaliyah to go get, get a kiyum. A is not interested in kiyum. It's the malveh's issue. So therefore, again, when you find three shtarot from one malveh, give it to the malveh, that means they weren't paid yet. Therefore, the malveh get paid. But if it's the opposite, if you find that uh, one loveh has three shtarot, uh, from three different malim, then you give it to the novel, like we said, because you have to assume that it fell from him. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.